on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Matt Foley. The Brewers get in the win column for the first time this year in game number three of the season. They hold on for a 5-4 victory in Chicago over the Cubs. It is largely because of home runs that are hit, some defensive plays as well, uh, a run-scoring double from uh, Christian Yelich, and then the back end of the bullpen does what the back end of the bullpen is expected to do as the Brewers pick up the win today as they salvage a game in the three-game series against Chicago. Welcome in to Brewers Extra Innings, our first winning edition of the program this year. If you'd like to join us, multiple ways to get connected. You can call or text the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 855 616 that's 855-616-1620. You can also tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is the way you get in contact with us here over the course of the program. From an offensive standpoint, the Brewers won today the way they're going to win many of their games and the way most major league teams win many of their games. You score runs with extra base hits. You score runs by putting the ball over the wall. We just, we're, we're living in an era of baseball where we don't see teams stringing hits together. So when you've got the opportunity with runners aboard to, to do something and get extra bases, that's what you need to do. And I, I thought it was notable today, obviously the Willie Adamas home run there in the third inning, that kind of opened things up for the Brewers after they had dropped down 3 nothing. Rowdy Telez clearly hitting a big home run. Uh, Mike Brousseau, he, that, that's, the, that's the difference in this one. And that's a great story, too, if you haven't heard. He is somebody who grew up about 30 miles away from Wrigley Field just across the state border into uh, Indiana, and he grew up a big Cubs fan and went to a lot of games at Wrigley. So uh, that was his uh, first career pinch hit home run for him to do that at Wrigley Field against the Cubs is certainly something that is uh, special for him. And then let's not forget about Christian Yelich because we talked about this a little bit during Brewers warm-up, how, yeah, Yelich so far has been doing what you want him to do in terms of getting on base, but if the Brewers are going to go where they want to go this year, if they want to be a legitimate World Series contender, you need a lot more than that from Yelich. And to see him, it was one of that the the double down the left field line. It was the classic Christian Yelich double. That's what things look like uh, when he had it going during his MVP year and, and his his other really good year right next to it. You don't want to make too much of anything in the third game of the season. I would say that about Freddie Peralta. You know, Peralta struggles in the first inning today. That has been something that has existed through much of Peralta's career. For whatever reason, the first inning does not go well, and then he locks in after that. The, the issue I have here on April 10th and three games into the season is, is that a continuation of, a, of an issue that he's had throughout his career, or is it just connected to it being early on in the season? And again, those are questions that we will answer as the season certainly goes along. 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air. We're taking you till 6 o'clock this evening. Uh, we'll have uh, Craig Kashan from Bally Sports Wisconsin. He is set to uh, join us in just a little while. We'll also get the postgame comments from manager Craig Council. And we will hear from you. Lots more coming up, but the news, it is in two minutes. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. 
Holds the ball in that. Now kicks the leg. 3-2 pitch. Swoboda hit high in the air. Deep in the left center field. Watch this baby fly. Way back. And up. And gone. Willie Adamas, the first home run for the Brewers in 2022. That got them on the board. They would go on to score four more runs. Brewers pick up their first win of the season, winning in Chicago over the Cubs 5-4. Brewers extra innings rolls on here on WTMJ. 57 more minutes to go. We are taking you till 6 o'clock this evening. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Again, the Brewers win this game uh, despite a tough start from Freddie Peralta. Peralta was not good in the first inning. We have seen Brewers starters issues walks to uh, begin games. That's not what you want to see. Peralta ends up going four innings, allowing three runs on three hits, six strikeouts, four walks. So the four walks and four innings, obviously that's the most concerning number there. But I also think if you want to turn around and look at it from a positive perspective, Peralta struggled there in the third, but he was able to lock in after that. And one of the big things we saw with Peralta today was the fact that his slider just wasn't working, and he had to completely change what he was doing. He ends up throwing nine sliders. He got one swing and a miss. Nine, or excuse me, he threw um, uh, 16 sliders. He got swings on nine of the 16 sliders, and only got one swing and miss. So... That's not good. Nine swings, one swing and a miss on on a pitch that he can normally get more swings and misses on. That tells you a whole lot about how he just didn't have quite everything working today the way he normally would like to. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's grab our first phone call of the program, Rusty in Two Rivers. Hey, Rusty, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking the call. See, uh... Just before your break and stuff, one of your one of your announcers said uh, the big thing in baseball now is waiting for the home run, and the Brewers accomplished that. You know, and the home run is going to win the games. And I'm sitting there thinking here, uh, whatever happened to small ball, the hit and run, the suicide squeeze, and the bunting from bunting guys to get the second, the third, and stuff. It you know, doesn't work. It's boring without that stuff. Yeah, you're rusty. You're well, you're you're right, and you're wrong. The game is not as aesthetically pleasing the way it's played right now. It's a lot more fun to watch when hits are being strung together and suicide squeezes and putting down bunts. Like I agree with you, Rusty. That version of the game is more fun to watch, but that version of the game doesn't win anymore because you can't string hits together. Pitching is too good. That's why baseball is trying to put all these rule changes in, why they're trying to get rid of the shift and, and things like that. They're trying to promote offense, uh, but what you're talking about right now, if you give me a team that goes out and does that, I'll probably show you a last place team. You don't win games, you don't score runs with that approach anymore. You just don't. 855-616-1620 It's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's one of the biggest issues that exist with baseball because there are, there are so many people out there that want to see baseball played that way because it's a more entertaining game to watch. And I'm not going to argue with you. Like, there's more action when all that stuff is happening. But general managers and managers are not hired to create an entertaining brand of baseball. They're hired to win baseball games. And you win baseball games by playing it in a very different kind of way. And it's, it's a problem that baseball has right now. It's a huge problem that baseball has right now. Let's go to Doug in Baraboo. Hey, Doug, you're on WTMJ. 
Oh, good afternoon, Matt. Uh, nice to hear your voice and nice to get that first win of the uh, the season. You know, I, I also get a kick out of uh, beginning of the year when someone says, well, it's only one game, you know, when we lost or it's only two. And I also go back to, uh, you know, September 30th, 2017, where we had a three-run lead going into the third inning against the uh, Cardinals. And uh, we lost seven to six in the ninth. And if we win that game, we go on to the uh, playoffs, which would mean that we would be going to the playoffs or trying to go to the playoffs six years in a row this year uh, instead of five. So every game is so important. Uh, one thing I'm going to be watching this year is uh, the the Bradley uh, Renfro swap, so to speak. And um, and uh, if my numbers are correct, I I was looking at uh, Bradley, you know, striking out 31 percent of the t- times of bat last year, and Renfro only 22 uh, percent. And uh, if we can get Yelich to uh, bring his that his number of 24 percent down a little bit, I think we're going to be uh, in good shape. It should be fun to watch. Yeah, Doug, it's interesting that you want to look at the comparison between Bradley and Renfro, and I know they were traded for each other, but personally, the probably the comparison that I'm going to look at with Renfro is that to a Visayo Garcia. I feel like he is more replacing Garcia on the roster than he is Bradley. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, I understand right field, but they they played Bradley so often last year. It was just I thought his uh, striking out was. Uh, a pretty big detriment to us. But I will say one thing about Bradley as a professional player. I like to sit on the third base side and watch the dugout, and I never saw him come into the dugout and throw his helmet, throw his bat, and, you know, break the water cooler or anything like that. Um, I just hope he had a bad year, and I hope the best for him in Boston. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to bounce back. I think it was a it was a bad year for him. I think there was some just you know he got into spring training just a little bit late. I think it was a perfect storm, and I would expect that we're going to see a bounce back from uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. And he was a good brewer, and yeah, as as much as he struggled from an offensive standpoint, my goodness, could he make some defensive plays? It was fun to watch him. So there's no reason not to uh, certainly root for uh, JBJ from afar. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. It's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brewers pick up their first win of the season as they win in Chicago over the Cubs by a 5-4 score. Craig Kishon from Valley Sports Wisconsin, he will join us next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. Corner swings, grounds one to third. Two hops right into the bread basket. Chase Peterson fields. Perfect toss across the diamond in time for the out. And that may have ended the day for Peralta. It was his 88th pitch. And if it is, it will be a high note that he exits on a 1-2-3 inning here in the fourth. Yeah, it did end his day. He goes four innings, three runs on three hits, but all three runs that he gave up were in the first inning and then three scoreless. After that, and the Brewers pick up the win 5-4, thanks in large part to home runs from uh, Willie Adamas, Roddy Telez, and Mike Brousseau. 855-616-1620, that's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's bring in Craig Kishon from uh, Bally Sports, Wisconsin. And Craig, more than anything else, it's just nice for the Brewers to uh, pick up their first win of the year today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we talked about it yesterday. You, you knew at some point they were going to get it, and uh, they needed the offense to to contribute, and they were able to do that today despite falling behind, you know, in that first inning, 3 nothing. So, you know, credit to them. We know this team is uh, going to do some pretty uh, pretty good things with that offense. And, um, you know, bottom line is it's all about the home run for the Brewers, and, and they scored all but one run 
uh, off home runs, those three hit today. It was really good to see Christian Yelich kind of go vintage opposite way into the corner uh, for the run that didn't score on the home run. He had the RBI double there. so And the bullpen uh, picked him up nicely again, too. So this was this looked like a 2021 game. And uh, if you're hopeful for this season because of what happened last year, uh, you know, hopefully they can continue to win games like this. Yeah, they hit home runs and they get the double from Christian Yelich and that double down the left field line. That's that's what he did in his all-star seasons and his MVP year. Uh, that results in a run. And we spend so much time talking about his production. And even when he's not hitting, he's getting on base. So obviously that's a good thing for the team. But at the same time, you want him to drive in runs. He, you don't. He, he's not who he is, that middle of the order guy, unless he's you know driving in runs. And it's just one game. It's just one hit. But it certainly felt good. Yeah, and you know he's he's been doing just fine to be honest with you in the first three games um, so far. He's still high up in the batting order, and um, nobody said they that they have lost confidence uh, in anything he has the ability to do. Um, over the last two years, that's for sure. So I think that, you know, the he's his approach is good. I don't think physically um, we're seeing anything different from him. He didn't really change anything from, from what I can tell or anybody else as far as uh, batting stands, preparation, anything along that line. Um, but I, I, I think that he is being patient um, and he's still confident. And I think, you know, he is not looking to hit home runs right out of the gates. I think he is looking to be productive first um, in a lot of little ways. And and I think we've seen progress through. I, I think today my take out of game three for him, I thought he was I thought he was laying back on, on a lot of pitches and trying to go the other way. Um, and, you know, he, he did that on that double. Um, he's had good at bats, in my opinion. I think he's hitting in the... 375 range here right now he's getting on base drawing a couple of walks so I, I think all of his power and whatnot has uh, a great potential of returning but but i do like his approach he's getting on base uh, in a lot of different ways right now those home runs today were no cheapies oh they were not wind aided were they 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 came no. off the bat as home runs no no doubt about that and then adamas 442 um rowdy to you you just had a feeling in that that bat that he was going to hit a home run. That that first pitch he had uh, in that inning uh, was a, in the strike zone, but it was outside. He wasn't going anywhere with that. And then he got one to handle and just absolutely unloaded. So, and uh, Brasso, uh, a great pinch hit home run. I mean, more of that, please, right? With with the pinch hitters yeah. coming up and um, just a, another new Brewer, another piece in the puzzle that. Uh, you know, David Stearns and, and Matt Arnold has, has been able to, you know, connect with out of that Tampa organization. So more of that, please. Yeah, it's interesting. He was a pinch hitter. We will not see as many pinch hitters this year because of the designated hitter. So you don't really know. Uh, Craig Council is obviously still going to use his bench. He's still going to take advantage of righty-lefty situations. But that's, you know, Jace Peterson uh, is your third baseman. He's not really entrenched because he's in for Luis Urias. I am curious what it's going to look like in terms of making sure guys do stay fresh and get those pinch hitting opportunities uh, in, in a year where there's not a DH. Yeah, I know. And I, and I think, you know, the more, you know, the more uh, there are pitching changes on the other side, I, I think right now it dictates it. Uh, you know, I thought we saw um, a lot of that from uh, from David Ross today. 
um, on the Cubs side. A lot of pinch hitters, you know, early in the game. Um, and so I think that's one thing I'm going to miss as far as the strategy goes with the pitcher not not hitting. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. let's face it, man, if you can get that extra bat in there and keep a strong bat one through nine, um, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping to see these dividends come down the line here for these National League teams. Yeah, I've said that over and over. I, like, It's fun to watch pitchers hit, especially when they do something good, but I, that's not what I'm going to miss about the DH. What I'm going to miss is all the the late-game strategies when the, the pitcher's spot is coming up and the decisions that have to get made. To me, that's a part of baseball that you're losing with the universal DH that I'm going to miss in a big way. Yeah, I, I felt the same when they when they decided to go ahead and uh, make the DH you know, universal through through both leagues and stuff. And um, I don't know, there, there's something to it, you know, when you've watched it be played that way uh, for forever um, in, in the National League, um, just, just knowing, you know, think about this. Um, I'll, I'll just pose this question, and, and I, I highly doubt um, it's going to be a negative thing here, but um, did Craig Council become a better late-inning manager because – he was working in the National League with with his uh, bullpen and his pitching staff. Did that have something to do with it? I I'm not 100 percent sure, but um, you know there is a strategy to it. There's no question about that. How long you leave a starting pitcher in if his turn's coming up in the in the batting order, uh, middle of a game, if it's close somewhere, you know those type of things. You know we're not going to see again. I think I would answer that question saying, the Craig Council is such a good manager that. He is better. He was able to win you games uh, that other managers might not because of the National League rules. Not that he is a worse manager now, but that he was somebody who you could take advantage of the way he managed the game better with National League rules. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that. You know, I wanted to I wanted to bring that up uh, without any knock, but we all learn things along the way. But I also will say this. He is one of the smartest guys I've ever met in in baseball. I mean, hands down, um, what what he has done over the last few years and what he continues to do, you know, with this franchise and the way things have been uh, assembled, uh, he has been very, very, very good. And um, I still say one day that championship is coming. What do you make of Freddie Peralta's day where he struggles in the first inning and then locks in after that? We've seen that from him before. That is something that has happened a lot during his career where for whatever reason in the first inning it just doesn't work for him. Well, I mean, let's face it. It's uh, you know, the first three games. It's kind of been that pattern a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, uh, Woody yesterday was a big question mark in that, in that first inning, you know, 40 pitches. Uh, it seemed to me today that uh, Peralta was, was – sharper than the results turned out um he just it seemed like he just couldn't get that pitch you know for for an out whatever that was and that that inning kind of continued and then and then just grooved one to suzuki um you don't want to fall behind early like that that's for sure but um i I just think i don't know a little bit yesterday we were talking about the 0-2 start i i think you just have to chalk up a lot of things that Maybe we're not all used to seeing here right now just because it's still early at this point. Um, but, you know, he only made it through four innings here in this one. The the good news, the best story out of all of this was the bullpen did such a tremendous job in, in uh, the five innings they covered. 
Adrian Hauser goes tomorrow as they open up a series in Baltimore. At times he gets kind of lost and forgotten when we talk about the top of the order. But Hauser, uh, when he as, as far as getting ground balls and using that sinker, there's almost nobody better in baseball. No, I mean it's it's really something. And you're right, he is. Uh, I mean he flies under the radar. Let's face it. Not I. I don't think um, it even extends. <laughs> I think across baseball and, and who's talking about, you know, top pitchers, but um, he put up some really big numbers in the second half of the season. He may have been, you know, outside of Corbin Burns, the Brewers best second half pitcher and, and one of the best in baseball. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to see, you know, what step he takes this year. Cause you know, he's going to take that next step forward. Him and Eric Lauer are really the, the two ones to watch in this point. And, uh, I think, I think Ashby as well when he starts getting his starts. But um, I'm looking forward to the matchup tomorrow for sure. And uh, I've seen Adrian Hauser out there. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if this fly under the radar pitcher is the one who goes out there and does exactly what he should and, and pitches a strong start tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Craig, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you uh, coming up later on in the week. Sounds good. See you, Matt. Yep, there's uh, Craig Kishan from Valley Sports, Wisconsin. Uh, by the way, when it comes to starting pitching, the Brewers going into today had listed uh, the third game in Baltimore as a TBA to be announced. Uh, we don't really know how often they're going to go with five men in the rotation and six men in the rotation. Well, Craig Council has announced that they are going to go back to uh, Corbin Burns for that Wednesday game. So what that means is Ashby is going to continue to pitch out of the bullpen. At some point, they'll go to uh, six guys in the rotation, and Ashby will get some starts. But when uh, Ashby is not working as a starter. He'll continue to work out of the bullpen. 855 It's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Tweet into the program as well, at Matt Pauley on air. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. It's Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Pauley. The 0-1 to Telez. And Rowdy, a high drive, deep right field. Suzuki back at the warning track, and the Brewers take the lead. They get the win as well, their first of the year, 5-4 the final. Brewers Extra Innings does continue here on WTMJ. If you want to join us, 855-616-1620. That's 855-616-1620. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can tweet into the program at Matt Pauley on air. Doug texting in says, uh, it's good to get that first win. Cubs are no pushovers this year. Very improved. And Hader is amazing. How close is he to being a cinch to be in the Hall of Fame? Probably just another two two or three good years. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting uh, question uh, you, because you still think of him as a relatively young guy, and he, he relatively he is, right? He, he began his major league career in 2017. When we start to do the Hall of Fame case for Josh Hader, it's going to be an interesting case because I do think you're going to have to focus in on those strikeouts. Uh, 484 strikeouts over 283 innings pitched. Uh, that's that's the number that you're really going to be looking at. You can also probably look at average against. He's got a 140 average against over the course of his entire career. The reason that it's maybe a little bit more of an interesting discussion, and again, if he continues on this, I don't know if he's three years away. That may That may not quite be there. The problem is when you think about high-level relief pitchers, you think about the saves. 
and the saves have been there in the last few years. He had 34 saves in 2021. He had 13 saves in 2020. Remember that game was essentially that season was essentially one third of what uh, a normal season would be. So 13 saves would project out to like a, a 39 save season. He had 37 saves in 2019, but he didn't get as many save opportunities in the first couple years of his career. In 2017 and in 2018, uh, he had just a total of 12 saves over those two years. Years, um, that just it wasn't the way he was used. He's become they've used. He was such a weapon early on in his career because you could pitch him, you could get eight outs with him. He was somebody that could go get you parts of three innings if you really needed it. You know, you, you go back to those years and you think about uh, Corey Knable and and Jeremy Jeffress being around and how those guys would cover the eighth and ninth a lot. And you would use Hader uh, if one of those guys wasn't available or if the game was going a little bit different. And then here recently, Hader has really become the conventional one-inning closer. And he's not used more. That was one of the big storylines last year. There were so many. We talked about it on this show. It felt like over and over and over. Because anytime something happened where maybe the Brewers had a really big spot coming up with two outs in the eighth inning, Fans are calling for Hader to get the final out of the eighth inning and then come out for the full ninth, and it just didn't happen. It became very clear that the Brewers were going to use him as a one-inning conventional closer, and he was not going to get more than three outs on any given appearance. Now, is that ever going to change? Are we ever going to see him in the eighth inning again? I would have to think at some point in time the situation would dictate that it, you just almost have to do it. You're forced into a corner, but they haven't used him like that here recently, and the, you can't argue the numbers. He had a 1.23 ERA last year. You know that's that's the uh, every time every time people complain about Josh Hader, the the answer is always well look at the numbers. When people say he should be throwing more than one inning, or you know early on in his career when when there was the talk about he should be a starter and not be somebody who's worked out of the bullpen because that was that was a big storyline back in 2017 and 2018. It's always been, well, just look at the numbers. I never understand why people want to mess with success. Now, maybe there are times where, again, you're forced into that proverbial corner and you have to go make some changes um, and you, you just have, you're forced to do something that you really don't want to do. And I get that those situations present themselves at times, but when you look at Hader's career and the way he has been used, it feels like from the moment he made his first appearance with the Brewers, fans have been wanting him to be used in a different way. And it's never made any sense whatsoever because he has done nothing but be incredibly successful. So much so that in his sixth season of professional baseball, or of Major League Baseball, um, we're getting a text message asking about his Hall of Fame candidacy and we don't just dismiss it out of hand. That it's a legitimate question to talk about. It has been just so much fun to watch what he's been able to do. And I do think the question that is the more legitimate question and that we are going to continue to have to discuss is at what point in time is he no longer a brewer if that comes to that? It's it's hard to you know I've always said that at some point, because of the money uh, you'll have to spend to keep him, at some point in time he might be more valuable to you 
playing for another team because of what you can get back for him. And the Brewers are obviously in a very good spot right now with having a Devin Williams who, if and when Josh Hader does get moved, uh, they've got another guy who can move into that ninth inning spot. But there would be no reason to believe that uh, any sort of Josh Hader trade would be happening any time in the near future. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll come back and hear the postgame comments from manager Craig Council. It's Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Pitches it high in the air and deep in the left center field. Back on the Hermosillo track. Wall. See you later. Brewers back in front. The first in with a crew for Mike Brasso is a go-ahead pinch hit home run. What a first hit for him. A huge home run, the difference-making home run, and a win for his team, the first win for his team this year, and it happens at the ballpark he grew up going to and the team that he rooted for as a kid. That's uh, all all the way around. It's a really good story. Brewers get the win, 5-4 over the Cubs. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Manager Craig Council met with the media just a little while ago, opened up his post-game thoughts, talking about that home run. I didn't actually watch him run around the bases, but I I was... um... But it was it was a huge huge hit. Obviously, we'd just given up the lead, and um, you know, obviously taking the lead right back, put the momentum back on our side. Did you go out today and see the conditions? Did it feel like a day the home run was going to be more part of the game? Yeah, it was where you hit it today. I think if you you know you hit it to the left side, left field side of center, it, it had a chance to go. But I, I don't I don't think there was any ch- cheap homers today. They, they were all pretty well hit. That's a matchup you like, right? You know, the break him off the bench. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's why he's here to do that, and so um, in the right spots, and we got the right spot today. Craig, how nice is it just to get that first win and get things going in a positive direction? I was pretty sure we were going to win a game this year, um, but it was uh, you know it's always good to win the first one, and it was a good team win. A lot of guys contributed to the win, and we had to kind of scrap to do it, so it was a good way to good way to finish it. It was which, a tough series. They they played well this series. What did you think of Freddie today? Um, I, I thought Freddie kind of got got going a little bit. They, I thought they did a nice job against them. Um, you know, they they took some close pitches. Um, you know, again, it was you know the first inning got us into a little trouble, obviously, and um, just you know we walked the first hitter again of, of the, both all three guys. It doesn't seem like that's possible for those three guys, but it's 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 kind of how it how it went. So they did a nice job in the first inning and made him work before he before he settled in. We're gonna probably gonna ask you this a bunch. I mean, do you think short spring these guys are still searching a little bit? I don't, I don't have an explanation. I mean, I. You know, it's the first start of the year. Um, I don't. I don't have a good explanation for it. First real good look at Suzuki this series. Just seemed to be an amazing machine. Obviously, to down with the Frighteners that are over here. Impressions of him. Um, I mean, he's 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 a good player. I mean, we, you know, we the players that perform that well in that league are going to come over here and, and they're going to have some success. So. Um, it, it's a true feeling out period for for us and for him. Um, I think, think we got to obviously we'll have a lot more information the next time we face him. Um, but he, he did his job. He got into a hitter's count and got a pitch he could hit and, and put a great swing on it. Yes, I mean, you kind of good without saying, but it's been nice in a game like this to be able to hand the ball to Devin and Josh. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. That's one of the strengths of this team. Um, Brad Boxberger threw, did not, had a nice inning today as well. Um, it's, it's one of our strengths to, to try to shorten games um, and have those guys be really solid at the end of games. Craig, that, that play at the bottom of seventh that it reviewed, you've seen reviews so many times. Do, do you like know what's going to happen in that situation, or do you just like really have no idea? How um... I mean, I think sometimes you know this one was this one we we thought was going to go our way, but it wasn't 100. percent Pretty good play by Will. Really good play. play really good play. Yeah. Just a couple of two out walks and errors that kind of wild pitches that kind of shook things, making it a little more difficult. Yeah. No, we. Uh, yeah, we made we made an error which which gave them some life that inning, and then um, unfortunately a couple of wild pitches. Um, I thought Brent pitched. I thought he pitched really really well. The, the ball was moving really good. You just kind of see by the swings they were having a hard time squaring up the baseball. Um, so he, he gave us an important important stretch of the game to kind of get us get us close to that seventh inning. Okay, overall, just what you saw from. Corbin and Brandon and Freddie. I mean, is this kind of what you expect in terms of like pitch count? You know, we had talked so much about keeping them on a schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you know they they all you know especially Woody and, and Freddie just got into the extended innings with their pitches. Really, um, I think I you know in if you look at all three of them collectively, they they all kind of got to a a, a safe place. I think. With their pitches, um, where you kind of uh, we talked about in spring training, like them needing at least one time through before that was kind of regular, normal. Um, and, I, and I think they're, you know, we we did it, you know, the way the, the way the games just rolled, it, it happened kind of in a safe way. So they're ready; they'll be ready to go next time. That's manager Craig Council speaking just a little while ago. Brewers get the win over the Cubs at five four. How did it all go down? We'll tell you next with the highlights here on WTMJ. Ready for this? Fly ball. This? Deep right. And this? Third deck. Holy smokes. Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Matt Pauley. 5-4 Brewers get the win over the Cubs. Starting pitching matchup today, Freddie Peralta making his season debut for the Cubs. Marcus Stroman on the mound. He was making his Cubs debut after he was acquired in the offseason. After the Brewers go down with just one hit in the top of the first, bottom of the first inning, Freddie Peralta on the mound, and he runs into a little bit of trouble. First battery faces Rafael Ortega. He walks after Nick Madrigal flies out. Ortega gets caught stealing second base. That turns into a, a fairly big play when you consider everything that ends up going down. After a base hit from Alfonso Rivas, uh, that moves Jonathan VR to second after a VR walk. Runners on at first and second for Seiya Suzuki. 3-1 pitch. High drive, deep left center field, and Suzuki has gone deep for the first time in his big league career. And the Cubs lead it 3 to nothing. Suzuki had a really good first series of his Major League career. If he continues on this trajectory, uh, he's going to be a star. Of course, manager Craig Council alluded to it in his post-game comments. Next time they face him, they're going to have a little bit more information about the guy. So it is a 3-0 game. It would stay that way until the top of the third inning. With two outs, Willie Adamas is at the plate. Holds the ball in that, now takes the leg. 3-2 pitch, Swoman hit high in the air, deep in the left center field. Watch this baby fly, way back, and up, and gone! 
Willie Adamas, the first home run for the Brewers in 2022. So that makes it a 3-1 game. The Brewers would have liked to have added that in the fourth inning, but they run into a little bit of bad luck with one out Hunter Renfro walks, and then Omar Nervaez hits the ball hard but hits it to the wrong place. From the stretch now, Stroman throws a swing ground, a line drive, caught by the pitcher Stroman. It'll be a double play. He runs towards first, tosses it over to Rivas to double off Hunter Renfro. Absolutely scalded, but right to Stroman, so that keeps it a 3-1 to game. Freddie Peralta, who threw a ton of pitches in that first inning, able to throw a scoreless second, a scoreless third. We go to the fourth inning. He gets Jason Hayward to strike out, Jan Gomes to fly out, and it brings up Nico Horner. Horner swings around to the third. Two hops right into the breadbasket. Jace Peterson fields. Perfect toss across the diamond in time for the out. And that may have ended the day for Peralta. It was his 88th pitch. And if it is, it will be a high note that he exits on a 1-2-3 inning here in the fourth. Yeah, his day was over at that point, a 1-2-3 inning. So good for him to go out on a uh, positive field. So Brent Suter comes on to pitch in the bottom of the fifth inning. The first battery faces Michael Hermosillo. He ends up walking, so one on for Nick Madrigal. 2-2 pitch, chopper to first. Telez has it, throws to short for one. Back to Telez in time. It's a 3-6-3 double play, and it wipes away that leadoff walk issued by Suter. Suter gets a ground ball from Jonathan VR, and that would finish things off in the bottom of the fifth inning. So we go to the top of the sixth, new pitcher into the game. That is Jesse Chavez, the first battery faces. Willie Adamas, he walks, and it brings up Christian Yelich. Here's a line drive down the left field line. Hermosillo going back. It's over his head and up against the wall. Extra bases for Yelich. Adamas around 30 is going to score. Yelich into second with a double, and the Brewers have cut that deficit to one. Andrew McCutcheon would then line out, and it brings up Rowdy Telez. The 0-1 to Telez. And Rowdy, a high drive, deep right field. Suzuki back at the warning track, and the Brewers take the lead. Yeah, that one was hit. Hit hard, hit far, and the Brewers lead by a 4-3 score. After Hunter Renfro strikes out, the day is over for Chavez. Daniel Norris, the former Brewer, comes in. He strikes out Omar Nervaez, and the Brewers have a 4-3 lead going to the bottom of the sixth inning. Brent Suter continuing to uh, pitch for the crew. He would strike out uh, Frank Schwindel, and then he would get Seiya Suzuki to ground out. So very quickly, two outs. Clint Frazier then comes to the plate. Suter would get ahead of him, but Frazier is able to work a walk. Then Patrick Wisdom comes to the plate. He reaches on an air by Willie Adamas. So Jake Cousins then comes on to replace Brent Suter. The inning should have been over, but the air extended it. Cousins throws a wild pitch that allows Frazier and Wisdom to move to third and second respectively, and then he does it again. 2-1 pitch to Gomes. And that one gets passed. Narvaez it all the way back to the bricks behind home plate. Racing down the line and scoring is Frazier, and we are tied. Another wild pitch by Cousins. Not tied for long as Jan Gomes would strike out, and that would send the game to the seventh inning. Uh, Patrick Wisdom remains in the game as the left fielder. Lorenzo Kane leads the inning off. He would pop out, but then Mike Brasso would come to the plate again. Grew up just outside of Chicago, just across the state border in Indiana. Grew up as a Cubs fan. We'll forgive him. Uh, this one probably felt better than uh, just about anything else he had done uh, throughout uh, his time going to games at Wrigley. 
pitch is hit high in the air and deep in the left center field. Back on that Hermosillo track. Wall. See you later. Brewers back in front. The first hit with a crew for Mike Brasso is a go-ahead pinch hit home run. Yeah, pretty special moment right there. Brewers take the 5-4 lead. We go to the bottom of the seventh. New pitcher is Brad Boxberger. He gives up a base hit to uh, Nico Horner, but then a strikeout of Michael Hermosillo. Nico Horner steals second, so the tying run is on in scoring position. Nick Madrigal then grounds out. That moves Horner to third, and it brings up Jonathan Villar. Tying run at third, two out. The 2-2 pitch. Swung up, bounced right over the head of the pitcher. Tough play on the run of Thomas. Guns it to first. Head first dive into the bag by VR, but he is called out on a bang-bang play at first. And that will retire the side. They would review it. It was bang-bang. It was one of those plays that if he would have been called safe, I don't think they would have overruled the call to make him out. So the umpire's call was the important one. I Watching it over and over and over, it was hard to figure out whether or not uh, VR was safe or out diving into the bag. It's just so much tougher to figure out uh, that sort of thing. But uh, the call stands, and it keeps it a 5-4 game. That's your play of the game right there. It was a fantastic play by, uh, by Willie Adamas, who makes up for the air that he had committed earlier. David Robertson throws a scoreless top of the eighth, so we go to the bottom of the eighth inning as the first appearance of the year for Devin Williams. Coming off that broken hand that he suffered uh, before the playoffs late last season, he looked in midseason form. First battery faces Frank Schwindel. 70 strikeouts on changeups last year for Devin Williams in 54 innings pitched. Just on changeups alone. Mm. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss, and there was the airbender. Next hitter, Seiya Suzuki. So Williams keeping it simple and getting ahead. Here's the 0-2 to Suzuki. And that is a caught third strike with a fastball at 96. Williams has struck out the first two batters here in the bottom of the eighth inning. Back-to-back strikeouts, and it brings up Clint Frazier. Trying to get this game to the ninth. And eventually Josh Hader, 1-1 pitch, a little broken bat flare to second at one hops Wong, hurries and throws to first and takes care of Frazier. And it's a 1-2-3 inning for Devin Williams in the bottom of the eighth. It remains a 5-4 game through the top of the ninth inning as Michael Givens goes 1-2-3 against Omar Nervaez, Lorenzo Cain, and Mike Brasseau. So we go to the bottom of the ninth and Josh Hader comes on to pitch. First batter he faces is Patrick Wisdom. Two balls and two strikes on Wisdom. The pinch. And that is a call third strike. 99 mile per hour fastball dotting the outside corner. And Wisdom down on strikes to start up the Cubs ninth. So one out, one run game, and it brings up Jan Gomes. The 1-1. Fly ball, deep right field. Going back is Renfro with plenty of room. Two feet in front of the warning track. He makes the catch. And there's two down, and the Cubs down to their last out. And that last hope was that of Nico Horner. Can't imagine Hayter's going to get too fancy here. Three balls and two strikes. Best stuff in the league. The pitch. Swing and a miss. He caught him with the slider. Hayter strikes out Horner, and the Brewers have won their first game in the 2022 season. 5-4 the final. Brewers with the win go to 1-2. Cubs uh, drop to 2-1. Winning totals for the Brewers, 
five runs, five hits, one air. They leave four for the Cubs. Four runs, four hits, no airs, and they end up leaving five. Winning pitcher is Brad Boxberger. He's 1-0. The loss goes to Daniel Norris. He's 0-1. Josh Hader picks up his first save of the year. Home runs, uh, Adamas, Telez, and Brasseau all hitting their first of the year for the Brewers. Suzuki hitting his first of the year for the Cubs. The game lasting three hours and three minutes played in front of a crowd of 32,858 folks at Wrigley Field. Now the Brewers head to Baltimore for a three-game series that begins tomorrow afternoon. We'll preview that, get you some scores from around baseball, and get out of here. That's next. This is Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings with Matt Foley on WTMJ. A 5-4 win for the Brewers, their first win of the season. They lose 2-3, of though, in the series against the Cubs. Up next, a trip to Baltimore. More on that in a moment. Let's go around the NL Central. Two other games being played. The Pirates pick up their first win. The Cardinals suffer their first loss of the year as the Pirates pick up a 9-4 win against St. Louis. The uh, starting pitcher for the Pirates, Bryce Wilson, uh, he ends up uh, going out throwing four innings, allowing three runs on five hits. He did not factor into the decision. Steven Matz got the start for St. Louis. He went three innings, allowing seven runs on nine hits. So not a great St. Louis debut for him. And the Reds, they win at Atlanta by a 6-3 score. So every team in the Central has at least one win and at least one loss. The Cardinals and Cubs are two and one. The Reds are two and two. The Brewers and the Pirates are one and two. We're through the first weekend of the season, and every division except the American League East has every team with wins and losses. The AL East, the exception is the Rays and Yankees are both undefeated, and the Red Sox and the Orioles are each winless. Around the Brewers' minor league system at low A, Carolina goes to three. 3-0. They knock off down east by an 11-9 score. High A, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, they pick up a win at home today. They defeat Peoria 3-2. Actually, that was a uh, that was a doubleheader, and then Peoria uh, won a game uh, 1-0, so they end up splitting that doubleheader. Double A, Biloxi playing at Pensacola as we speak. Biloxi win, leads by a 3-1 score. That game in the bottom of the fifth inning, and Triple A, Nashville, they get a win 4-3 tonight over Durham. Brewers and Orioles Orioles open up a series in Baltimore coming up tomorrow. It's going to be Adrian Hauser on the mound for the crew. He is set to be opposed by left-handed pitcher Bruce Zimmerman. And then Eric Lauer and Corbin Burns will start games two and three of the series, respectively. As far as tomorrow's game, that's a 205 first pitch. That is going to be the home opener for uh, Baltimore. So 205 first pitch, and our coverage is set to begin at 1.30. Once again, the Brewers get the win. Their first win of the season over the Cubs. Look forward to talking to you again soon for more Brewers baseball.